Hi, this is John Kennedy from uh, NJMEP, the New Jersey Manufacturing Extension Program, and we're going to have a, another uh, podcast of uh, manufacturing fun. Uh, this show, which is sponsored by Manufacturing Talk Radio, uh, I always love saying that it's a manufacturing company to decide to uh, give us a bigger voice, and they've done a great job, Lou and Tim, over there. Uh, the name of the show is called Manufacturing Partnerships and Making Waves, uh, and the waves that we hope to make are positive ones, so uh, that's a plus. And, and also, we do a lot of focus on what's called the MEP National Network. Uh, MEP, Manufacturing Extension Partnership, is, is a federal program. Uh, we're not all necessarily government agencies, but our mission's the same. We work with the manufacturers in our region, and we support them in many ways. And uh, today we got uh, uh, Steve Melito, uh, cousin of Johnny Melito, uh, and Steve's uh, from what's called Fuse Hub up in New York State. And I remember when Fuse Hub came into existence, I liked the innovation process as an engineer. And and you know, Steve's got a lot of background. Uh, he's been a business owner of his own. I like the name of it, Thunderbolt Business Services. Uh, mine was boring. It was called the Multitech Group. So, you know, Thunderbolt's much more fun. And uh, I believe you graduated from Colgate, right? I did, yes. So have you spent most of your life up in New York? I have spent a lot of time in New York, especially upstate. Know it well. Yeah, I do too, because I'm a skier and a hiker. But uh, uh never have lived outside of my hometown. So one of the things that's really intrigues me about the work that Steve does is a lot of it's about cybersecurity. And while that's become a big hot button issue, as we know, for companies that are doing defense and et cetera, but it, what we're hearing about in New Jersey is a lot of uh, food companies are calling us fragrance companies, you know, because uh, auto uh suppliers you know auto components so um uh, before we get too far in there you know why don't you tell us a little bit about how your relationship exists with the the new york mep because you guys are a little different than we are in new jersey yeah that's right every state does mep a little bit differently and so New York State Fuse Hub is the statewide MEP center. And then there are 10 regional centers. And the regional centers have boots on the ground and they provide a lot of incredibly valuable services, lean manufacturing, ISO training, et cetera. And then there's Fuse Hub. So you gotta ask, why is there a statewide center? Well, it's really simple. It's so that no matter which region of the state you're in, we can connect you with a resource that can help. So for example, let's say that you're in Long Island, but the help you need is in Buffalo. Well, you don't have to drive there yourself. You just call Fusehub or go on the website, talk to us, and we'll hook you up with somebody that can help solve whatever challenge that you have. Yeah, yeah, I said, I thought it was a very innovative idea when uh, Matt Watson, you know, told me about it years ago. So, and, uh, I know you guys were doing a lot of work, a uh, variety of work under, you know, when we were dealing with the CARES Act during COVID. Uh, any highlights that you can uh, express? Yeah, absolutely. So CARES grants 
the entire New York MEP system did a lot in this area. And so what we at Fuse Hub did in particular is we offered grants of up to $10,000 to support projects in which a New York State manufacturer engaged what we call a, a NYSTAR innovation asset. And I hate to get into acronyms, but I got to tell you, NYSTAR is the Division of Science, Technology, and Innovation, and they really are a critical piece of New York MEP. And so they maintain 70 different assets across the state, universities, nonprofit centers that can help you create a prototype or automate a process or come up with a new innovation. So we wanted to connect manufacturers to these NYSTAR assets. And the way that we did it was by um, using the CARES fund in this case. Some other valuable things that happened was ITAC, which is the regional New York MEP Center for New York City. They had a personal protection equipment assistance fund, which was hugely helpful to manufacturers. They offered some grants over that, excuse the cell phone ringing. And then um, a third important component to this was back in upstate New York in the Albany area capital region, the Center for Economic Growth. Uh, that region's MEP center had a reshoring and rebuilding supply chains initiative. So we really tried to help manufacturers in all the different ways that they needed it immediately, help with PPP, you know, long-term thinking about how am I going to reshore something or how am I going to do something differently to be more competitive? Yeah, that's some good stuff. Well, we did, uh, we focused more uh, on workforce development, you know, in certain areas because, you know, companies were struggling to get people at that point in time. So to be able to train up their workforce was a little bit better. And then we did similar with uh, regards to some of our programs, whether it was cyber or uh, process oriented, you know, we gave some grants out. So, uh, you know, and then I heard you know, you know, I work a lot with some of the your sister groups and uh, ITAC is right across the river. So we, you know, we work with them a great deal and uh, admire what they do. So, um, yeah, there was a lot of good stuff. I wish I wish we'd been able to secure a little bit more funds uh, nationally, but uh, we did a hell of a job with what we got. So uh, good stuff. Uh, I know you mentioned reshoring, and I do want to ask about that, but uh, because that's always of interest to me. But before we go there, uh, as I said, cyber's been a real bugaboo, uh, and the concern is that it's not going to get better. And uh, I think that's probably the wrong terminology. It's just going to be always changing. But uh, why don't you? Uh, take the lead and, and talk a little bit about cyber, what you guys are doing, uh, what do you see as some of the next uh, issues? Sure. So New York State, the big emphasis has been on helping defense contractors. And we're not talking just the BAEs and the Lockheeds because the big companies tend to have the cyber resources they need in-house. It's the little guys, it's the mom and pop machine yes. shops, small to medium manufacturers. Um, and oftentimes some of these folks think, how could I possibly be of interest to the bad guy? All I make is a gasket or a screw. Well, it's not you that they're interested in necessarily. The bad guys wanna work their way up the supply chain. So they wanna get in your front door, your back door, into your computer system and see if they can hack their way into Lockheed or BAE or whoever. And you just don't wanna be a victim of that because it'll kill your business. The reality is you get hit by a cyber attack 
percentage-wise, you may never come back from it. The numbers are pretty scary on that one. So from lots of different reasons, you know, just to keep your, your company viable. And then if you're doing business with a DOD or with a tiered supplier, you're required to meet what they call NIST 800-171. Okay, it's not, a, it's not optional. Um, mm -hmm. And there might not be anybody that's gonna come and knock on your door today or tomorrow and say, are you compliant? But eventually you'll get to the point that you're gonna have to be and you don't wanna have to scramble because it's a process to, to go through the assessment, to identify what your weaknesses are and then to remediate them. And so in New York State, we had a program that was funded in part by the Department of Defense, also Empire State Development. Um, out in the Mohawk Valley, we have a regional MEP center AIM, the Advanced Institute for Manufacturing, tremendous cybersecurity capabilities. Um, and they really took the lead on this. We work with them to provide training, education, self-assessments for manufacturers so that they could take that first step towards getting to be NIST 800-171 compliant. Yeah, you know, and you hit the nail on the head because, uh, you know, I owned an engineering company and a manufacturing company. And, you know, we were second and third tier depending on the project. And we always were almost hidden from, you know, the federal government uh, in many ways. And that's the way the primes wanted it. Uh, but that's changing. And, and so the small company, as you say, that's uh, producing that, you know, gasket, you know, but they're selling 10 million of them, uh, you know, so it's in a lot of different pieces of equipment. It becomes impactful. And, uh, you know, you got to make sure that you're secure or you, you're going to lose your business. Uh, and that's, you know, since our focus is small and midsize, we certainly want to make sure we do that. And, as I said, I know you guys do great work there, and, and we've learned from AIM to, as well. I mean, I don't believe in reinventing the wheel. If somebody's doing it better or somebody has a, a, an idea that can be incorporated into our plan, we respectfully steal. You know, it just makes sense. So, good yeah, that's some good stuff. Do you see anything new on the horizon with uh, regards to cyber that uh, we should be aware of? So there's a new standard, really not that new, but some people are probably hearing about it called CMMC, Cybersecurity Maturity Model. There are different levels to it. That is a moving target at this point. The last I'd heard, you know, because of COVID, there had been some delay in requiring manufacturers to become compliant with it. But if you get active now and you become NIST 800-171 compliant, you'll be in position to become CMMC compliant much more easily and much more readily, no matter what comes down the pike. Yeah, that's good advice. Uh, we try to pass along the same, but you know, a lot of them still think they can keep their heads down. And the, and the problem with that is that it's not necessarily, it's not just losing business, it's it's losing the control of your own business. And uh, you know, that's scary stuff, so. It is. You can also lose the ability to bid on new contracts. So you might be going along just fine, but then, you know, you want to grow the business and you find that you can't bid on stuff because you don't have NIST 800-171 compliance. Yeah, exactly. So I appreciate that. Um, I want to, before we get into my fun fast five questions, uh, you mentioned reshoring and, and that's on everybody's mind. Uh, you know, 
to be honest with you, being in the industry over 30 years, as I have been, you know, I've heard reshoring for all of those decades. And uh, I know that you guys in New York and at Fuse Hub have stepped up and out of the norm and done some really great stuff. Can you fill in the gaps? Yeah, for sure. We've had some events both in person and online that are all about supply chain, trying to connect companies at different levels who sometimes just don't even know that they exist because it's just easier to be in the same patterns. Well, those patterns have all been disrupted, so now you really got to look around. So that's one thing that we do. Another thing is we get a lot of requests uh, either by phone or usually from the website. Somebody needs a new supplier. They can't get it from China. I'm not going to cry any tears when they can't get it from China. I hate to see them suffer, but we got to bring it back home, right? So we mm -hmm. try to find them somebody in New York State, and then if we can find somebody in New York State, we look at the surrounding states. You know, We'll go and look at New Jersey and see if there's somebody there. Um, but we try to build these supply chain connections in New York, especially because that's our mission is to do the economic development work and, you know, the jobs and the jobs lead to the ability for workers to have a good life and, of course, pay some taxes and support their communities. And it's all part of a cycle. Um, so that's a lot of the reshoring we do is people just need help trying to find a replacement for what they've done for years. Yeah, yeah that's a great point, because. A lot of people think it's just bringing companies here, and it really isn't. It's also uh, expanding the capabilities that are already here and, and making those connections. Uh, I've been working very closely with uh, New Jersey Senator Menendez on a national supply chain bill because one of the things we found during the pandemic was that NJMEP has a great database. It doesn't talk with yours. That's right. Or, or with Montana or with Florida or insert name. And so while I think as a national network, we did a hell of a job, uh, and I do, we, we, it would have been so much nicer to be able to communicate in quick real time instead of, let me get back to you as soon as I dig this through this, you know. And so I think it's absolutely critical that we understand because it's not just, you know, we all want to support our state. So, yeah, I want to support NJ first. But you know what? If we can't do it or a company in New Jersey needs somebody and somebody in Albany can, I'm connected. Because, you know, as you say, I, I, it doesn't matter in certain name, China, you know, North Korea, South Korea, Vietnam, yeah, any name, you know, India, it, it doesn't matter. I wish them all well. I just wish us more. <laughs> <laughs> well said. <laughs> so, yeah, but I said, I, I, I really, you know, liked, I've heard a lot from, you know, Ben Rand and, and, uh, and Matt and others that have told, you know, what, what you guys in New York have been doing. So it's some good stuff. So, uh, uh, I don't know why I came up with these fast five questions, but to me, it's, sounded cool at the time uh, but since the 11th show I you know I've got a conglomerate of 11 answers so, you know 11 people answering these things <laughs> and it's interesting because while you would assume that they're all the same some of them are not and uh, so you know just whatever comes off the top of your head they're fairly simple questions so uh, they most seem like no-brainers but you know everybody's got their own opinion so number one 
is manufacturing in the USA dead? No way. Alive and well. It just has to change a little bit. Yeah, quite a bit in some some regions. Yeah, right. That's right. <laughs> Can the U.S. economy exist and or thrive without manufacturing? No, absolutely not. When you look at the wages that are paid, retail versus manufacturing, you're not going to be able to have a good quality life um, on anything but manufacturing, frankly. Uh, again, I agree with it. You're talking about it. I was just reading uh, the new NAM report. Uh, the average wage in manufacturing across the country is 93000 You know, now that includes overtime, but who cares? I'll work the extra hours. That's good family wage and a career. Yep. So that's a good point. Uh, you know, all states are different, but this is always, why do you think it's such a heavy lift at times to convince our respective governments, state and federal, to support our industry? I think because it's not always sexy, right? Manufacturing is anything but dirty, dangerous, and boring, but I'm not always sure that the people that make the decisions know this. I think there's a certain sexiness, as it were, for opening a new casino or, you know, sometimes a brewery, right? That's a form of yeah. manufacturing, but, you know, not necessarily the machine shop or not necessarily something more traditional. Um, if you think about where a lot of our leaders come from, how many have worked in manufacturing? Some, but certainly not all, usually lawyers or bankers. Yeah, very few. And, but yet we all want this stuff, right? Sure. We all want it. We want our cars to work and work well. And, you know, it's, you're good. Great point. Uh, okay. Number four, outside of workforce development and staffing, which I, it's the number one issue for all our clients. What do you think is the number one issue right now for manufacturers to overcome? They need help with automation. And that's related to workforce it's not meant to replace workers, but the reality is if you cannot find the talent, you've got to automate. And for manufacturers, it's a heavy lift. It's expensive. They don't know where to begin. They don't know where it's going to end up. There's other parts of it like AI and big data that they got to get their heads wrapped around, sensors to be calibrated. I think that's a huge challenge. Yeah, no, I agree with you. We, we do doing a hell of a lot of work on that in, in New Jersey. And you're right, it's not meant to replace people, but the industry does evolve. And the fact is, is right now our estimates 45,000 open jobs in New Jersey in manufacturing, and that's 11,000 companies. You guys are bigger. So, uh, you know, think about that. You know, you one way or another, the jobs are still there. They need to be filled. But it's also, you know, a higher level job as we engage differently in, in making uh, things. Last one, sort of a two-parter. <laughs> okay. Yeah, don't tell me engineers aren't innovative. You know, don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> are, are we gaining enough ground? In my personal opinion, no. And I'm going to tell you why. And again, this is my personal opinion rather than representing any organization. But when I look at the different types of legislation and initiatives that are out there, I don't see a lot of, I don't see enough help for manufacturers to solve some of the equipment challenges they have. 
or they need help buying new equipment to be competitive. So, and that includes automation, but sometimes it's a new press, new CNC or whatever. They are going to need that in order to compete and win. Yeah, and you, you basically answered the second part for me because, you know, I usually ask, you know, how or why or whatever, because I agree with you, you know, we still don't understand. Um, COVID changed a lot of thinking, but how long does that last before we go back to norm? The, the one stunning thing that I read in two different newspapers, Wall Street Journal and then the Times, one told me that 95% of our blood pressure medicine was made in China. Now that's bad business in any, you know, none of us as business people would want to have a single source. Right. And then in the Times, I read that 50% of all adults in the United States are on blood pressure medicine. That's and, high blood pressure. <laughs> you know, so I look at that and I say, wow, that's a really bad position to be in. But we seem to have uh, short memories for certain things. And uh, I hope that's not the case. So, uh, would you throw out your uh, your website? Because I think a lot of people, even though they're not in New York, would because I, I go on it all the time. So uh, throw out your website so people can uh, maybe tap in and, and see what you guys are doing. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> Easy, it's www.fusehub.com and Fusehub is F-U-Z-E-H-U-B. As I said, it's a good place to stop because you get a lot of answers to things. And then, uh, then you can move forward from there. And you know, your your team is very good at uh, responding and answering questions. Oh, thank you. Hey, do I have time to do a quick pitch for an aspect of what we do? Certainly, go for it. All right. So, so this is new at Fuse Hub. Is we are launching marketing services, and they're paid. Manufacturers need to pony up some money, and there are grants that are available, but. If COVID taught us anything is that your website is what the world is gonna see about you first, especially when there's not trade shows and it's just hard to network with people. So if you're a New York State manufacturer and you're hearing this, or really if you're any place and you just wanna talk about how digital marketing can help your business, reach out to us. We have a lot of online events and I don't think anybody's gonna kick you out if you come from some other state. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's, that's a point, great point, because you learn period. It's not like only New Yorkers can do this. That's right. That's right. <laughs> You'll let us, you know, our your your cousins from Jersey come in. So absolutely. Uh, all right. Uh, I and I get all yours. I pass it along a lot of times when I get the stuff from uh, Edgerton or you know Elaine. You know, it's just good stuff. So anyway, thank you. We've been with uh, Steve Melito up in. Uh, New York State at Fuse Hub, uh, part of key part of the MEP National Network, and this has been uh, manufacturing partnerships uh, making waves. And uh, thanks again to the Manufacturing Talk Radio guys for for letting us gab a little bit. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, James. <laughs> Thank you.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.